0: Hello everyone, it's Peter King with Football Morning in America, and this is the FMIA Minipod, my weekly podcast covering the week that was in the National Football League. You'll have to bear with me this week. Uh, I am playing hurt a bit. Uh, my wife and I went to San Francisco and Seattle over the last few days, and uh, while I was in San Francisco... I caught something from my granddaughter Hazel, Uh, so it's been a bit of a struggle over the last few days, but uh, I may do a little bit shorter mini podcast this week uh, because uh, just because I don't know (laughs) if my voice is going to hold out. But, you know, a very interesting day in the NFL on Sunday, and really an interesting weekend. It started on Thursday, and I thought that the Buffalo-Dallas game was really, really interesting. And I liked it a lot because I liked the fact that Buffalo got to be on a big stage and to really show people who they are. Um, I had a conversation with uh, Sean McDermott, the coach of the Bills, after the game wrote about it in this column. And, you know, it's interesting. I said to him near the end of it, what were you thinking when you were coming off the field? And uh, he he really sounded – and this is after, obviously, if you saw the game, the Bills just handled the Cowboys. And, uh, you know, I I, I got the impression that it sounded a bit like he was choking up when I asked him the question, and he just said, hey, I am just grateful. And Sean McDermott is a perfect coach for that city, that market, those fans – and he and Brandon Bean are building the kind of team that that area loves, a rock rib defensive team that has a tough Jim Kelly-type quarterback, which Josh Allen is. So read what I wrote in my column this week. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, but, but otherwise, I basically concentrated in my column this week. I was home in Brooklyn watching the games. And I concentrated in my column since we're now at the 75% finished point of the season. There's one quarter, once the Seahawks and Vikings play, there's one quarter of the season left. So I sat down after, um, you know, before the Sunday night game, before the New England-Houston game. And I just started to figure everything out. And after that game ended... You know, here's the really interesting thing about the NFL right now. The NFL is 75% done, and it is a logjam at the top. Now that obviously uh, Houston beat New England and Baltimore beat San Francisco, now there are 10 teams between 8 and 10 wins at the end of this weekend. And that is no matter what happens in the game between Minnesota and Seattle on Monday night because, think about it, Minnesota's got eight wins, Seattle's got nine, so uh, they're both going to end up between eight and ten wins, no matter who wins. So it's almost like a lot of the drama about which teams are making the playoffs is not really much drama anymore. You know, uh, Tennessee could, could catch Pittsburgh, certainly. Tennessee might even... Uh, catch uh, Houston they're only a game behind Houston in the AFC South and they're tied but lose the sixth playoff spot to Pittsburgh on a tiebreaker but let me get into what I led with in my column and then I'll take you through a little bit more of the column and uh, so let's just go four weeks to go after Viking Seahawks end week 13 tonight in Seattle You know, there's not high drama about the 12 playoff teams other than Pittsburgh and Tennessee dueling for the AFC 6th seed, wondering if the Psycho Rams can conquer a tough stretch run to sneak in. And, well, I guess somebody's got to win the NFC East. Can the NFC East secede, please? Talk about the absurdity the NFL's every division winner's guaranteed a home playoff game Shtick. Imagine the thirteen and three Seahawks or thirteen and three Niners being the road wild card weekend foe at seven and nine Dallas or seven and nine Philly. Just an aside here. I didn't write this. I have always railed against the automatic home playoff game. If you win a division, it's just wrong. If a wildcard team is two or three or four wins better than you are, that's the team that deserves home field in a playoff game. Anyway, at this point, it's about jockeying for position in home field. As you wake up today, you'll see 10 teams at the top of the league with either eight, nine, or 10 wins. 10 teams separated by two games. So when you look at the playoff picture... Don't assume the standings on January 2 will look like the December 2 table. At all. More about that in a minute. The playoff picture this morning has some remarkable similarities. One and two seeds with identical records in both conferences. Five seeds each with nine wins. Let's run them down. The AFC, number one, Baltimore, 10 and 2. Number two, New England, 10 and 2. Number three, Houston, eight and four. Number four, Kansas City, eight and four. Number five, Buffalo, nine and three. Number six, Pittsburgh, seven and five. In the NFC, number one, San Francisco, 10 and two. Number two, New Orleans, 10 and two. Number three, Green Bay, nine and three. Number four, Dallas, six and six. Number five, Seattle, nine and two. Number six, Minnesota, eight and three. Six notable items. The 49ers pretty easily could fall from 1 to 5 in the NFC. A Seattle win against Minnesota would put the Seahawks at 1. I'm sorry, would put San Francisco at 5, excuse me, entering the last four weeks. San Francisco and Seattle would both be 10-2, but the Seahawks have the tiebreaker, and they also have the schedule edge. Of the remaining four games for the Niners and Hawks, San Francisco has the two toughest ones. At the Saints this week, at the Seahawks, December 28. Niners fans worldwide, light a candle for the Vikings tonight. Your best hope is the recent play of Kirk Cousins, a 72% passer with a 12-0 TD to interception ratio in the last five games. Number two. The Patriots had to be concerned on their two plane trips home from Houston early this morning. New England, ravaged by illness late in the week, took two planes to get beaten cleanly by Houston, one for the healthy players and coaches and one for the sick ones. It didn't help. Tom Brady looks totally fed up with the offensive inabilities and none of his neophyte receivers getting open. It was cute for a while, the Pats finally leaning on the defense to win games, while the Enkeel Harrys and Jacoby Myerses learned how to be dangerous. But maybe they just aren't dangerous, or they won't be dangerous anytime time this season. Faster, quicker, Brady seemed to be pleading to them in the first quarter. And the defense, compared to the 8-0 start, has become mortal. New England's defense has allowed 21 points a game on average over the last four weeks. Not bad, except when your offense spells trouble. Or excuse me, except when your offense spells trouble for January football. I keep thinking Bill Belichick is going to lobby Robert Kraft for Antonio Brown, and very soon. Three, the Bills are probably playoff safe but they're about to be severely tested. Next three foes, Baltimore at Pittsburgh at New England. Nothing's a gimme for the Patriots now, but it'll be tough for Buffalo to win the division with New England having Cincinnati and Miami at home week 17 on the docket. Number four, watch out for Green Bay. The Packers have their faults, but the remaining schedule is not one of them. Washington, Chicago, at Minnesota, at Detroit. A 3-1 and finish would get them to 12-4. and The third seed at worst, and, if third, a likely Winter Wonderland game at Lambeau against Cousins or Jared Goff on the first weekend of January. The Packers would sign for that, I bet. The NFL loves the Pack in front of the widest possible audience, and the league certainly remembers the snow globe primetime Playoff game against Mike Vick in 2002. Hmm. Number five. Yes, WIP callers, the Eagles are still very much in this thing. Though they're 5-7, and seven, they've got the Giants twice and Washington once in the last four games. And if you think the soul-crushing Eagles can't beat the 6-6 six and six Cowboys... You didn't see the Dallas offense score one touchdown in its last 24 possessions. I doubt Philly will win out, but I have no idea who will win that piece of NFL swampland, the NFC East. Number six, an interesting January dark horse, Tennessee. In their three-game win streak, the Titans have remade themselves. They've scored 35, 42, and 31 points in the three games. Derek Henry has led the league in rushing each week of the streak with 188, 159, and 149 yards. I'm just doing my job, Henry said from the Titans locker room after beating Indy Sunday. Our team is about complimentary football. When they give it to me, I'll be productive. I think they found a formula. Conservative passing game, power running game, and ridiculously good special teams. A game behind Houston entering the home stretch, the Titans probably have to sweep the Texans in weeks 15 and 17 to win the AFC South. Not sure they can do that, though they're 5-1 and one since, since benching Marcus Mariota for Ryan Tannehill. Last Tennessee sweep of the Texans, 2007. In other news, the Steelers had quite a Sunday. So, the Steelers aren't as good as Baltimore, and they might not make the playoffs even. But that was one hell of a day for the team and the city and the coach, and the Duck, that 20-13 win over Cleveland. Factoid to the Browns-Steelers rivalry, since week six, Matt Ryan has won two games. Phillip Rivers has won two games. Carson Wentz has won two games. Devlin Hodges has won three. But my hero of the day is not Hodges, though he deserves credit and he'll get it here. The hero of the day is the Steelers coach who kept the focus on football, Mike Tomlin. In the maelstrom of inflammatory t-shirts, fans angry about the long suspension of Miles Garrett, and pregame chatter that this was the day the Browns would finally take over this rivalry, per Diana Rossini of ESPN. Tomlin made this day about one thing and one thing only, football. I love Coach T, Joe Hayden told me from Pittsburgh Sunday night. It was Pittsburgh corner Hayden's late pick of Baker Mayfield that iced this victory. Quote, he always keeps it very black and white. All week, his message was, Stop the run, contain Odell, Beckham, and Jarvis Landry, and just play ball. They don't like us, we don't like them, who cares? Just play. Quietly, the Steelers were a tribe before and after this game. If the Browns started something, Tomlin gave orders not to finish it. The game would be won by playing football, not by skirmishing. Did you notice Tomlin in the 17 days before the game? He never took any bait, never made any inflammatory statements about the brawl that banned Garrett for the rest of the year and Steelers center Marquise Pouncey for two games. Nothing Tomlin could say would make the situation better or be good for his team, so he just zipped it. The loss of Pouncey, their unquestioned leader, hurt. Tomlin understood why he came to the defense of his quarterback, Mason Rudolph, when attacked by Garrett. I think Tomlin actually appreciated it, even though he didn't say it publicly. The team knew, though, and Pouncey knew. After the game, the Steelers had Pouncey FaceTimed into their post-game locker room huddle. He broke us down, Hayden said. Translated, that's something a coach or leader does at the end of a practice or game, saying something like, Steelers on three, one, two, three. Or something collegial like that. Hayden said, then Coach T took the ball and said, I'm bringing this to Marquise. That was big for our team. The Steelers are 7-5 and five a very different way this year. In the past four weeks, they've scored 17-7, 16-20 seven, and 20 points. And they've gone 3-1. We manufacture wins, Hayden said. We've got ballers on defense. When we go out there as a defense, we feel the energy of the crowd. We feel the love. They love defense in Pittsburgh. You know that's the history. And right now, we're playing as a legitimate team. With an undrafted rookie quarterback from Samford University. Last year, Devlin Duck Hodges, the 2018 Alabama State Duck Calling Champion, honestly, was playing shorter in Kennesaw State on his small campus in Birmingham, Alabama. Now he's enmeshed in the Steelers-Browns border war. And he'll be charged with getting this underdog team to the playoffs somehow. It's such a great story. Imagine a January game with Duck Hodges at Tom Brady or Duck Hodges at Patrick Mahomes. Really, Duck Hodges at anybody. The duck caller is out there winging it, Hayden said, laughing. He's winning. He's throwing people open. We love it. That's the end of my Steelers section and uh, at the top of the column. I write about Justin Tucker and his big kick to beat the 49ers. I write about uh, Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson. Uh, O'Brien had lost five in a row to New England, had never beaten his former mentor, Bill Belichick. Deshaun Watson had never won two, in two games in this rivalry. Uh, so they were both excited afterwards. You know, a lot of people, and again, I don't know, I have no inside information about it, but a lot of people making a big deal of the the uh, limp-wristed, uh, you know, very uh, insincere handshake from Belichick to uh, between Belichick and O'Brien. Uh, and I don't put A lot in that. Um, I think that Bill Belichick was probably supremely disappointed. A lot of people are trying to draw a correlation between Houston's chase of uh, Nick Casario, New England's personnel director, in the offseason. I kind of, I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, <coughs> but. What I am saying is that Belichick and O'Brien have spoken since then. They seem to be okay. So, again, I don't know what happened, but uh, I don't make that big a deal of it, quite honestly. Um, I have a very interesting Bills section. If you're a Bills fan, you should really read it. It's fun. It's uh, very sincere, semi-emotional, Sean McDermott. uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, One of my players of the week this year is Keanu Keolani, a kicker from Hilo High School in Hawaii. Did you see this replay on Twitter or anywhere? This high school kid from Hilo High School in Hawaii. Am I pronouncing it right? I think it's Hilo instead of Hilo. Um, This Keanu Keolani kicked a 55-yard field goal at the buzzer to win the Hawaii State Championship football game. He didn't only kick a 55-yarder. He kicked it, and it landed on the crossbar, and it bounced over after hitting the crossbar. I mean, it was agonizing and thrilling at the same time. It was very, very cool. So he got one of my players of the week. My profile this week is George Kittle, You've got to read what he says about why he's playing hurt. He played all 55 offensive snaps for San Francisco and Baltimore on uh, Sunday. Um, I've got three factoids. My favorite one is this. The Eagles are 15-15 and 15 since winning the Super Bowl 22 months ago. It's pretty, f- pretty cool, pretty interesting uh, stat. Um, the NFL Century this week with the NFL having suspended a, an Arizona Cardinals backup, uh, who's on injured reserve right now, until 2021 for gambling on football games, uh, brought back memories of an incredible gambling scandal in the NFL in 1963, when Commissioner Pete Rozelle suspended the 1961 MVP, Paul Horning of the Green Bay Packers, and a Pro Bowl defensive tackle for the Detroit Lions, Alex Karras, for the full season for gambling on football games. So I tell the story of how that happened and and what exactly happened. Um, I'm going to get to my games of the week. A couple of thoughts on each game. Baltimore 20, San Francisco 17. You know... The Ravens now, they certainly didn't play great in this game. I think the rain had something to do with it. Uh, After the game, uh, Lamar Jackson said it was a miserable day out there playing football. But uh, Baltimore now, just think of it, they have beaten in short order Seattle, New England, Houston, the Rams, and now the 49ers. That is an incredible run of success. Uh, Far and away the best uh, resume for any team in football. Uh, And as I wrote in my column, I would not be discouraged if I were the 49ers. Losing on a field goal at 0-0 on the clock against the best team in football. I mean, that's the way life goes sometimes. Not that big a deal. Tennessee 31, Indianapolis 7. Okay, listen. I have a stat in my column this week. Adam Vinatieri has now missed 8 or 14 kicks this year. He's missed eight field goals and six extra points. And again, I'm not saying he ought to be shot at sunrise, but I'm saying that I really think that it's time for the Indianapolis Colts to to move on from Vinatieri. Um and who knows? Maybe they will. They're 6-6. Six six. Every game now you'd have to consider a must game for them. Um, we now have Tampa Bay 28, Jacksonville 11. I named one of my defensive players of the week this week, Devin White. Recovered a fumble, ran it in 14 yards for a touchdown. Had an interception of Nick Foles, one of the interceptions that forced Foles from the game. Uh, he had a huge stop late in the game when Jacksonville was threatening to come back. So uh, I really am high on what Devin White has been doing. Um, it looks like uh, Jacksonville is really, you uh, know, has a dilemma between Gardner Minshew and Nick Foles. The fans want Minshew. Uh, the organization signed Foles for a lot of money. Uh, he, he's not done for the year. I don't know what they're going to do next week, but uh, they're at Indy next Sunday, or home to Indy next Sunday. Um, we talked about the Steelers and the Browns. Uh, the Packers over the Giants, 31-13. Snow, bitter winds, sleet, ugly, ugly day at MetLife Stadium. And guess who was the only quarterback in football? this weekend, to throw four touchdown passes in a game. Aaron Rodgers. And I think a lot of that became he was so free to look at all his options. Um, I don't know his pressure numbers or anything for the day, but he always seemed to have plenty of time. Uh, Let's move on to the next game, which was an absolutely bizarre game to me. Washington 29, Carolina 21. Look, you know, Darius Geis and Adrian Peterson uh, rushed for, you know, 200-and-something yards between them. Uh, And I think this is really the way for the rest of the season, for Bill Callahan to try to get as many wins as he can uh, down the stretch of this season. Uh, The uh, Washington plays at Green Bay – Philadelphia at home, Giants at home, and then at Dallas uh, to close the schedule. They could win one or two of those games, and I know Callahan's going to try, and I'm sure they're going to do that, uh, concentrating on the run. You know, I also thought this was a very, very bad day for Ron Rivera. You get the impression last year that David Tepper, the new owner, was itching to make a change and didn't do it, because he was so recently there owning the team. I don't think he's going to be so patient this year. Miami 37, Philadelphia 31. The one thing I regret not writing about in my column this week is the incredible play that uh, resulted in the Miami punter Matt Hack throwing to Jason Sanders, the Miami kicker, for a one-yard touchdown. It was just amazing. If you haven't seen it yet, go look at it about 20 times. (laughs) It was just really, really fun to see. Five uh, uh, Miami Dolphins to the left, four Miami Dolphins to the right, and then just a snapper and a hack uh, in the middle of the field. He takes it, rolls out, and throws a backhanded flip to Sanders for a one-yard touchdown pass. It was just... A cool, cool, imaginative play. I really liked it. You know, the Eagles, they just don't seem right. And I don't know totally what's wrong. They're really beat up. They're very hurt. And Carson Wentz is just not the Carson Wentz of a couple of years ago. Cincinnati 22, the Jets 6. You all know by now probably the Jets now this year have lost to the 0-7 Jets. I'm sorry, the 0-7 Dolphins and the 0-11 Bengals. So for all the goodwill the Jets had built up, that came crashing down in Cincinnati in a game in which they were not competitive. It's crazy. Bengals got a great, great game from Carlos Dunlap. Uh, He's been with the Bengals his whole career, 10 years. Man, what mental torture he must have been through. But... uh, You know, good game for Dunlap, happy for Zach Taylor, a football lifer who uh, deserved a better fate than what he's had so far in Cincinnati. Rams 34, Cardinals 7. Hey, Jared Goff desperately needed this game. 424 passing yards, absolutely vital. Um, And who knows, maybe the Cardinals with Kyler Murray a little bit banged up with a hamstring strain uh, just didn't have all the athleticism he needed I didn't see much of this game at all Chiefs 40 Raiders nine most complete game that thus far this year uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs a desperately needed uh, game Denver 23 Chargers 20 a very strange pass interference call late in this game against a veteran Casey Hayward that allowed Brandon McManus to kick the winning 53-yard field goal. But one of the things that was very encouraging for Denver, he didn't play great, but he played okay, and that's Drew Locke, who really made a couple of throws that made him look like he really belongs. Anyway, that is going to do it for the podcast this week. We are going to give you the ado Haiku, right now. Are you ready? We're caught in a trap. Elvis said, "Pat's burying trap. Not me, not yet." As you know, the adu haiku, haikus are five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. So I really uh, challenge the punctuation here. We're caught in a trap, Elvis said. Pat's burying trap. Not me, not yet. I kind of forced that one. I guess when you're sick, a little bit woozy, uh, your haikus might be a little bit B-. minus. But I tell you this, I promise I'm going to be a lot better next week. Anyway, hope you guys have a fun week. Four weeks left in this NFL season. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how the playoff seeds turn out. And again, man, it will be stunning if the San Francisco 49ers have to win three games on the road to get to the Super Bowl. That's it for week 13. Thanks a lot for listening. Have a great week, and please go to uh, read my Football Morning in America column today either at NBCSports.com or ProFootballTalk.com. Have a great week, everyone. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help,